This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. Here's what you didn't hear in that answer, and this is important, guys. This is an important thing. What is your plan? I understand the lines around the state, whatever that means. This is not a game where you draw maps around. And you around don't know what it What means. is your plan? That's the problem. What you is your plan on health care? You the don't have the biggest well, problem he doesn't I'll give know. One minute the biggest problem he's plan. got is he What's doesn't know. You know, I watched him melt down two weeks ago with Chris Christie. I got to tell you, the biggest problem he's got is he really doesn't know about the lines. The biggest thing we've got, and the reason we have no competition, is because we have lines around the state, that's, and you have you have that, essentially I, We already mentioned that as part of my plan. Yeah, I know yeah. what that is. I, but what's part of your you know plan? Much. So your only thing is to get rid of the lines around the states. What else is part of what your health care plan? the lines around the states mean? That's your only plan. And it was plan. almost done. No, no. You know All what right, that does? I'll give him time to plan. Excuse me. That What's brings in competition. When you get rid of the lines, it brings in competition. So instead of having one insurance company taking care of New York or Texas, you'll have many. They'll compete, and it'll be a beautiful thing. Right. And w- <laughs> so that's the only part of the plan? Just the lines? The in- interstate well, competition? No, the, pl- the nice part about the plan, you'll have many different plans. Big, beautiful You'll lines. have competition. It's you'll have so many big, different giant, plans. Now he's repeating himself. No, I'm not repeating. No, no, no. I watched him repeat himself five times four weeks ago. And I, I saw you repeat you, yourself five times five seconds ago. <laughs> I watched him. <laughs> I watched him melt down on the stage like I've never seen anybody. Say, I thought he came out of the substance. swimming pool. I said, well, let's there, talk, let's I talk see him about repeat himself plan. every night. It says five things. Everyone's dumb. He's going to make America great Senator again. Rubio. We're going to win, win, win. Senator He's Rubio, winning in please. the polls. Please and the lines stop. around the state. Every night. Same thing. If you right. just let Mr. Trump respond to what yeah, you just posed to him. Yeah, he's going to give us his plan him. now, right? If, okay. you, if you could talk a little bit more about your plan. I know you talked about the No, no, uh, we're going to have many different plans because there's going to be competition. it again. <laughs> there's going to be competition. There is going to be competition among all of the states and the insurance companies. They're going to have many, many different plans. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No, there's plan? nothing to Donald add. Donald Trump false. You said the government should what pay for that? everyone's health care. That's false. You've never That's said right. that. No, I never. I said it worked in a couple of countries, but, but, but you've, I never you've never said stood it. on this debate stage and says it works great no, in Canada and Scotland. No, we should do I it did here. Not. Did you no, say did if you want people to die on the streets, if you don't support socialized health care, you have Correct. no heart? I will did you not say let you're a liberal die on, on the streets if I'm president. Have if you people, said you're a liberal on health care? Excuse me. Let me talk. Talk away. Explain your plan, please. My plan is very simple. I will not. We're going to have private. We are going to have private health care. But I will not allow people to die on the sidewalks and the streets of our country if I'm president. You may let it, and you may be fine so with does it. So the government pay I'm for not everyone's health care? We are going to take y- those yes people, no. and Just they're going to get... Just answer the question. Excuse me. 
We are going to take those people, and those people are going to be serviced by doctors and hospitals. We're going to make great deals on it, but we're not going to let them die in the streets. Who right. pays for well, it? Who's can I clarify something? Senator, gentlemen, well, gentlemen, no, please. I want to clarify something. Gentlemen, this please, is a I want to move on. Debate, right? I want to talk because about the economy. Because that attack about letting people die well, in the streets of the government doesn't answer. support health care. The government would pay for that. All of you have Donald, true or false, you've said the government should pay for everyone's health care. That's false. You've never That's said false. that. Everybody's got to be covered. Universal health care. I am going to take care of everybody. Well, who pays for it? The government's going to pay for it, but we're going to save so much money on the other side. Donald, true or false, you've said the government should pay for everyone's health care. That's false. The government's going to pay for it, but we're going to save so much money on the other side. Always audited by the IRS, which I think is very unfair. I don't know, maybe because of religion, maybe because of something else, maybe because I'm doing this, although this is just recently. religion? Well, maybe because of the fact that I'm a strong Christian and I feel strongly about it, and maybe there's a bias. You think maybe you, you get audited for being well, a strong you Christian? See, you see what's happened. I mean, you have many religions. What does Donald Trump do when things go wrong? He takes to Twitter. I have them right here. Let's read some. You'll have fun. All right, number one, here's the first one. Lightweight Marco Rubio was working hard last night. This is true. The problem is, he is a chalker. And Uh-oh, it stopped. <laughs> I think it actually couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love the strong Christian one. That is my favorite. <laughs> It's just a clown. Wait, was that were those scenes from Bad Girls Club? <laughs> <laughs> there was one tweet that I sent last night where I during the debate where I thought, um, oh, this man. is gonna be my, my job. <laughs> because that's like everybody, hurry, turn on CNN. It's a spin-off of the Bad Girls Club. <laughs> I just this couldn't was, contain it. I and I wish we could finish that the the Marco uh, Rubio response today where he <laughs> Donald Trump of wetting his pants at the debate. <laughs> um, every debate oh, has gotten progressively more intense. Oh my goodness! And entertaining. Unreal. And this one was this was, this off was, the chain. This was crazy. I could not believe what we were seeing last night. Well, Thursday night. Oh my goodness! And and to be uh, hey, listen, Rubio to me won that debate <laughs> because he finally. Now listen. Uh, Cruz has always come out and challenged whether or not uh, Trump is a real conservative and whether he would follow the Constitution, right? But nobody has come out until last night and just punched Donald right in the mouth. And that's repeatedly. What Rubio, Rubio did over and over and over again. I mean, he bloodied him. And then, and the, and the fun thing was, Cruz then piled on. Right. And Cruz, I mean, if if Rubio hadn't started taking those first shots early, I'm not sure if Cruz would have ever gone as deep as he did uh, in his fight with Trump. But that was that was fascinating. And to see Donald just flailing, flailing was unreal. Unreal. So you think you think they got him? Yeah, I don't know if it's going to make any difference, but they sure got him last night. He looked like Well, I don't think I don't the people who love Donald Trump, nothing will make a difference. No. It's the because that tone of how he addresses everything is what's attracting people to him. Yeah. 
And even even in defending himself, you know, people will see victory there. But but Rubio, I think Rubio knew he had to be strong. I think Rubio has consistently been strategically the best chance that the Republicans have to win. That has nothing to do with whether or not I wouldn't I would personally vote for him or endorse him. I think he is the strongest chance for Republicans to win independence and to win what they need to win to get into the White House. Yeah. And I I just again, I don't know if it's going to make any difference or not, but everything else they've tried hasn't worked. So. Anyway, oh, there we go. There you go. There we go. So. No, I mean, whenever I say that, people get so offended. Like, well, I don't like him, and I can't believe you're saying it. I just think strategically, when you look at – you have to look at the polls, and the polls will change. But, but he is the only person who has been, you know, four points ahead of Hillary pretty consistently. Yeah. Cruz. I mean, I'm sorry, Rubio. Um, Rubio. And so – at the end of the day, if you look at the reality of it, some conservatives may not like him. And I actually think the immigration stuff is silly. I think conservatives need to get over it at, the, at this point. I, I just I really I don't have a problem with Rubio's immigration stance. I, I never have. I don't. I, and actually, I would venture to say that I, I don't. I think what Obama had proposed is not as awful as some have said that it is. Hmm. I think it's a political talking point. I think it's very easy. Now, now, when I say that, I'm saying if you balance that with a wall and with the other things you need to balance it with, yeah. it's not that awful. You can't deport 15 million people, well, but yeah, ironically— I mean, you, can, you can. We just won't. I don't think we should—I I personally think that you. it would be a disaster in the eyes of the world watching families be literally torn apart, because that's what would happen. And And it's just— and that and that sounds like a liberal talking point. It's not. It's the reality. There are people who had kids after they came here, and those yeah. kids are technically U.S. citizens, well, are they not? Well, I, that's that is still up for debate. That's something that, you know, that is a common debate debating point of whether or not simply being born on American soil makes you a citizen. Fair enough. But look, but, I mean, that's a that's a legal debating point that's still going on, right? Well, yeah, obviously, there's a lawsuit saying now, Ted Cruz. If, is now, it? if you were able to get a ruling. I guess from the Supreme Court saying that simply being born here, if your parents aren't citizens, doesn't make automatically make you a citizen. Then the deportation thing happens like that, right? I mean, don't you think? No, I don't think they're going to round up 15 million people. It's not going to happen like that. I think that. But I mean, the, the, but if your argument is that it looks bad in the eyes of the world that we're splitting up families, if suddenly those people, those children who are born here, are not citizens, just like their parents are not citizens, then you don't have the splitting up of families thing. Yeah, that argument well, okay, goes away. Fine. You don't have the splitting up a families thing, but you know, look, th- this issue actually really enrages me how Republicans talk about it sometimes because I think it's and, and Democrats too. You have to be fair to the issue, and if you're being fair to the issue, these are not all people who illegally crossed the border and came here. A good forty percent of them, almost half of them, are people. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but who were once legal and lapsed, and they are wrong for that, and that they're, is that is visa. not yeah, that is visa. illegal. Yeah, yeah. But and, and, a lot. But, and, and, yeah. Okay. And, and and that is a, a large percentage, whatever it is, 40% or whatever it is. That is a huge percentage, and that is an important thing to consider in the debate on the issue. That's my issue. Right. That's all. I think, though, that—and and Trump has blasted, stupidly, I think, Romney for talking about self-deportation. If we were to enforce employment law that you cannot employ illegal aliens— this, the issue starts to take care of itself in a large to a large degree. Uh, that doesn't mean it completely takes care of itself. There would still have to be some deportation, most likely. But the issue would start to take care of itself because you can't work here if you're not a citizen or not here legally, you know. But 
So Here, I just I feel like this, and and let me just put it out there: America created this problem and allowed this problem by not securing the borders, and oh, so yeah. people took yep. advantage of that. They broke the law, and they took advantage of that, and they are here. And some of them have been here for probably decades, okay, right. years. They've been here. So we need to fix that problem. We need to secure our borders, right? And we need to do that. We have not done that. So at this point, when you're dealing with people like. Um, Antonio Jose Antonio Vargas is that his name other yeah. people who have been here since they were kids and they have only known America to say to them you now have to leave when we're the ones so, who created the problem by not securing the border so, so what's and I understand that argument but so, but so what's your what's your what's your cutoff time for how long they had to have been here and experience the American life that we're going to deprive well, the, suddenly deprive them of I think I think is that's it, the is, problem is there Here's, a magic time is it like after two years and three months you're good I mean, well, here's your, the thing. I'm taking the stance too to play devil's advocate to enrage yeah. you. That's my whole goal here. But I think I don't. I don't know the answer to that. The other problem with this though is that anything you do does send a message if you don't do it the right way that to other people to say, "Hey, come here. It's okay." Right. You know, one of the things I've always worried about if you if you open up this new system and say to these people, "You can stay." Well, you know that that creates a, a scenario like what we saw. Uh, what was it? Early 2015 with all the kids coming over, the parents thinking the kids would be able to stay here, and and tens yeah. and thousands of people illegally coming here. So, look. I think punishing people, putting them at the back of the line, finding them, and not allowing them to be citizens for 13 years. If you can put them, them into the back, but if you can put them, in, if you can put them to the back of the line, that would require sending them back to their country to get in line, which is the same thing as deportation. So but how do you make them go to the back the, of the line? If you, how do you make them go to the back of the line? How can you say? How can how can a person say? I'm not saying necessarily you. But how can a, how can the argument be made? We can't possibly deport them yet. We can force them to go to the end of the line. It's the same. Well, here's the issue with the deportation, the cost of it. The, I don't the care about the cost. and the cost of it. The cost to round up 15, you know, okay, 11 to 15 million it's people and deport closer them to, probably is closer not to 20 sustainable. Million. It's probably Build actually wall. closer to 20 million. But. Right, fine. I'm giving yeah. and I'm giving the very very, you know, yeah. Yeah. low end numbers. So the the cost to do that is unsustainable. It's not sustainable. You know how much that would cost to do and how many law enforcement it would take to hunt down those people. And you are going to have those. And I don't know what that cutoff is, but you're going right. to have those people like Jose who have known no other life. So when we talk about sending them back to a country, we're right. sending them back to a country that they don't know. So, okay, let me ask you, let me ask this question. Do you remember when we had, it was, uh, I think it was Matthew West on, and we talked about the homeless guy that was living in the attic of the church for, what, three years? Yes. Okay. That church did not do what they needed to do to make sure that their door was locked properly and their attic kept from having somebody live in it. The fact that he lived there three years, does that mean that he should get to continue to live there for three years? For Continue to live there? Simply because the church made a mistake, just like America made a mistake. They didn't lock their doors. They didn't secure their borders of their building. And this guy was able to sneak in and live. And he lived there for three years. This was his home. He lived there for three years. He'd become adapted to it. It's where he lived. And now should this church be required to allow that man to continue to live in their attic? Well, Or should they look, be required to find a place for him to live once well, look, Chris, making him move out of their making him move out of their attic? I just think that the argument that simply the fact that someone was able to illegally gain access, regardless, it doesn't matter if the door was locked or not. 
illegally gaining access is illegally gaining access. Right. And but, the but, fact that you then we, the fact that the, you broke the law and then lived there but happily for a multiple, white on this. multiple you can't, because years. You're, okay, the example of a man who broke into a church and lived there for three years, fine. But we are talking about people again. A lot of them were were legal at some point. They broke the law. They should be held accountable. They should right. pay, they should be punished. I'm not saying right. they shouldn't be punished. But what I'm saying to you is that nobody seems to have the answer though. This is so, not okay. a monolithic group. What is but, the answer for Jose? He should go back to a country he has never he knows nothing yeah, about. No, yes. Yes. The he answer, go, the he answer should be for the a decision that, that he has nothing yes. to do with. The answer, he didn't the, answer choose. the answer to that is yes. I think the answer is no. Okay. I think but if he had, if you if a person comes here and the day their visa expires, if their visa expires on Monday and Tuesday the law enforcement finds out, should the law enforcement force him to go back then? No, they should look, Chris. No, no, everybody no. Should be, the day no, after, they should be granted automatic the, citizenship. There shouldn't even be a discussion. No, now about you're this. just lying. Now you don't even <laughs> believe that. I'm just saying I don't understand why the day after somebody's visa expired, if the law said, if the law enforcement said, um, your visa expired, you need to go, nobody would have a problem with that. But if the person, oh, look, I agree. If the person, I'm, I'm if the person's visa you. expires, but three years later, law enforcement does something about it, suddenly, suddenly we're in a moral conundrum. I don't understand. If you're um, here on okay. a student, if you're so, here so, on a so student visa, thing. if here's you're here on thing. a student visa, and one day, if you're here on a student visa and it expires, and law enforcement the next day re- makes you, forces you to leave, th- there's no problem. But if you happen to make a quote life here and live here for five years after your student visa expires, suddenly we're supposed to let you stay, and that doesn't oh, make it. That doesn't I, make yeah, any yeah, sense. Yeah, to you me. should be able to stay. You should be given course, citizenship. See, you don't even believe caviar, it. You don't even, you should live in you don't a even believe anything That's, that you're saying. All you're trying to do is piss me off. Yeah, the whole time. Um, no, but I actually do have a friend who I went to college with um, who she, I mean, she would have been a brilliant person to stay in the U.S. and and, and build a life here. Uh, she had a family member who was managing her papers while she was in college, who she lived with when she wasn't at college. And uh, they allegedly did not uh, notify her of a renewal and she didn't realize. And so she's not allowed to come back for a certain amount of time. And yeah. she had to go back to her home country and, and uh, you know, had wanted to had gotten into grad school at, at NYU and wanted to go to grad school here and was not able to and still is not back in the U.S. Right. So there are, you know, look, and, and I think, yeah, that's a consequence, whether it's her fault or not. That's the consequence of that of the system. And but I, I think it's just my the, the real belief that I have, OK, when I'm not trying yeah. to enrage you, is that it's way more complicated than either side of the aisle is willing to sort of address. And I do think it, there are people. Right. It's way more complicated. Go ahead. Well, there are people who didn't make the decision to come here in the first place, right. and I don't mean to sound like Obama, and I'm not right. going to go on a dreamer rant, but there are people who really were a consequence of a decision that someone else made, didn't yeah. even know they were illegal right. until they were old. Yeah, and and I would say also that that fact does not mean they shouldn't be deported, but it isn't as simple as some of the, like the Ann Coulter types. Again, I love Ann, who say simply deport, deport, deport. Well, it's not as easy as that. Can it be done? Yes, it absolutely can be done. Is it as easy as they make it out to appear? No, it's not. It would no, take, a, it would take a lot of and it's it would take expensive. a lot of work. It would take a lot of resources. That doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. Simply because it's expensive doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. I do think that deporting 50, 11 to twenty million people is is problematic on about twenty different scales, and I don't think Donald <laughs> Trump will ever do it. No, so he won't, I think you know they don't, they don't is, have to, no one's ever going ball. to deport these people, so they even can if, run on it, but it's a lie. Right. Even if it were easy and inexpensive to do, they still don't have the balls to do it. Right. And, and I don't, you right. know, and so whether or not I think that they should is another right. story, but I, even I if, definitely, even like if it's inexpensive, you. even if it's inexpensive, easy to do and the right thing to do, proven morally the right thing to do, they still don't have the balls to do it. 
And I'm know. not con- I don't have a stance on whether or not I think it's the moral thing to right, do. Sure. I think legally I it, it would be technically the right thing to yeah. do if somebody yeah. but but morally I don't know. I right. don't think either side has the answer to that, but they all think they do. Um <laughs> So, okay, so the uh, the other thing that was discussed in these clips we opened the show with um was the healthcare thing. Now, did you listen to that healthcare argument that went on? A little bit, but I I missed chunks of it because I was teaching. But yes, I've, oh, some yeah. pieces of it. So here's here's the thing about that argument. Okay, Trump comes out and says you got to get rid of the lines. Got to get rid of the lines between the states. Now he's got his talking points he wants to talk about, but you got to get rid of the lines between the states. States. Now what he's what he's referring to is <laughs> you ought to be able to buy insurance across state lines. That ought to do it. That will bring in competition. And in fact, that's what folks like at the Cato Institute, Michael Cannon over at the Cato Institute and other people were advocating the entire time that the Obamacare discussion was going on, the debate. It's like, you know, F Obamacare, forget Obamacare. Don't even do Obamacare. Get rid of the the lines that prevent competition, uh, free market competition, and allow people to buy insurance across state lines. That was the number one solution that conservative, libertarian, free market, healthcare experts were offering out there. Now, that's what Trump is advocating. And I advocate the same thing. And and policy-wise, I think he's right. I think that that's the first thing you do. You, you scrap Obamacare, and you open up competition across state lines. You can buy it anywhere. And then you see what happens. I don't think you need a whole bunch of other policies. But he doesn't articulate that. He just goes, got to get rid of the lines, the lines between the states, and goes on and repeats himself and falls into Marco Rubio's trap of give us your plan, give us your plan. And Trump should say, my plan is scrap Obamacare and get rid of the lines prohibiting competition among the states. And let's see what happens. Because if you let the free market work, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. And you leave it at that. Because Marco and others went on, Marco talked about- Polo. (laughs) I heard somebody call him Marco Polio the other day on accident. Because you <laughs> combined Polo and Rubio and called him Marco Polio. And I'm like, I'm sure that's what you meant to say. <clears throat> but Rubio talked about health, having health insurance, uh, health savings accounts and those sorts of things. And they said that you would only be able to spend on health care. So everybody would have this. We would provide this. That everybody would have health insurance, health savings accounts that you would only be able to spy, spend on health care. And that is in itself an individual mandate. That is requiring people to have health insurance accounts that they can only spend on health insurance. And that is a that is a mandate issue. Now, overall, though, I think that Rubio just totally, totally just made Trump eat its lunch. But anyway, let's... Uh, Trumpkin. Let's, let's get away from debate stuff and politics stuff. Take a break and we'll come back. And Billy wants to tell us his adventure. Is it... <laughs> His adventures of Nashville here, <laughs> right after the break. We'll be, we'll be right back. Back to the church boys. Billy boy, I heard you uh, in your adventures of the week down in Nashville. <laughs> you ran into a little friend of ours, perhaps, and maybe he. <laughs> Maybe he has some drinking or substance abuse issues. Is this what I'm hearing? Uh, well, John Seidel, who we've had, who we've had on the show, and who used to be uh, the deputy, deputy managing former, editor of theblaze.com, former, former uh, deputy managing acting and managing editor. 
dot com uh, <laughs> slash John Seidel. Um, he was in Nashville. I was in Nashville for the same conference, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And and this is the third year I've gone. And we go because but basically everybody goes to this conference to promote a product. It's like a room filled with booths of, you know, interesting, some not so interesting products. We need a church boys booth. We do, and that's the game. That's the goal for next year. Or, or if they've got a radio row, we need to be on that. There is no radio row, but there are a lot of radio shows broadcasting so, from. Wait there. a second, it's the National Religious What Convention? Broadcasters. Okay, uh, there's not a radio row, you say? Well, you know, it's not. Here's the thing: this it's not an event that let, people go to to cover. Really, let me ask you. Th- let me ask you this: Is it put on and organized by Christians? <laughs> Stop. Yeah, no. The organizers no, are very nice. Okay. They do a good job. No, no, look, there are people who broadcast from there, but I think having a radio row might it may not be the right venue for not a same, it. It's not the same as a CPAC kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite that because it's a lot of people trying to they're showing what they're working on in the Christian world. So there's like a lot of organizations go to show off their work. Crew is there, you know, yeah. everyone's there. Um, oh, your friends, but, your good friends from Crew are there. Yes. My Crew Inner City. Crew. The Crew Inner City. Thing. My former, I used to work for Crew right. Inner City, um, and I have. They've got. Yes. They're they're doing some amazing things. I've heard over there. They they do amazing anti poverty work, but there are some things that have gone on of late. I heard that, that. I heard that there's just remarkable, and um, they say a lot of really nice, sensible things. On I'm on Twitter, moving and, on and uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, anyway, so everyone goes to this convention, the the museum, the Bible, the oh, museum yeah, the Bible of the museum. Bible. Yeah, 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 huge booth, the one huge starting booth. in DC, DC soon. Opening, yeah, in DC. yeah. I mean, it wasn't even. We actually have an interview with the president of the museum. Nice. It wasn't even a booth. It was like a huge display. I mean, it was over the top, amazing with artifacts and everything. Um, and but basically, this is the place where a couple thousand people go for five days. It's still going on, but I left. I only I only go. I have a forty eight hour max, so I go for forty eight <laughs> hours and I leave. You know, if I'd um, have been there though, if you and I could have gone, we could spend the whole week there and have hours of material. Oh, it's insane! Hours I mean, of here's material. Here's what I did: I sat in a room because there's a media room where you yeah. can book a sp- book space, and I had an interview at eight, an interview at eight thirty, an interview <laughs> at nine, an interview Jeez. at nine thirty, an interview at ten. They were back to back to back to back to back. And so Raphael Cruz would come in, then the next, then Tony Perkins would come in, and then, and you would just book it out that way. And then in between, there's meetings. You're catching up with people. It is like the blaze. Bla- the blaze is like a celebrity there, right? The right. from the blaze is because the this is a lot of our audience are people who are at this convention or right. who are aware of us or want and, to and they were wishing us. they were wishing the church boys were there, right? They were dying for actually the church boys came up a lot really in discussions because we were obviously people were asking because questions we're about the show and all that. So def- because we're being sued for defamation by most of these people. <laughs> um but yeah people were people were super into it and but but like i don't know how to you have to experience it to to understand it but yeah so john seidel went for i am second and we there was one night that we had some freedom (laughs) to go out for dinner after like a 12-hour day of of interviews and we went to the opry one of my friends is a publicist aaron chrysler he took us out to the opry not just to the opry though the grand opry (laughs) back backstage to the opry which he's done before for me and and so we got to hang out where all the artists are and all that. And so Darius Rucker was there. Hootie and the um, Blowfish, yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish. He was great. But was he, and here's was how he cool perform- it was. Was he performing? He performed, right. Oh, okay. And now at the Opry, there's obviously a big audience and they're like church pews, right? And so people are sitting in the church pews. We actually got to sit on the stage behind Darius no. Rucker while he was performing. So That's it was pretty amazing. cool. And I mean, 
last time I was there, I think we talked about it on the show last year. Um, I saw the cast of uh, Nashville backstage. So. Oh yeah. Now, did you have Darius Rucker, Mr. Hootie, sign one of your Hooters? I did not. Oh. And the interesting thing is, you could tell the public, and I actually know who the publicist is. We've done stuff with the Robertsons through that publicist. Right. They didn't want a big thing where people were like chasing because I don't know how big Darius Rucker is. He's big. I mean, he's like in country. Lo- he's like huge. he's a large person or no, 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 famous. very skinny person. I remember him being heavier <laughs> in Hoodie and the Blowfish. But speaking um, of heavy, did you watch Chris Christie's endorsement of Donald stop, Trump? Oh, Sorry, you did, say, you did not just say that. I did not watch it. I read about it. Um, but. John is like a girl in a candy, little girl in a candy store when it comes to celebrities, apparently, because I what said call, to him, he's what like, we call a star effer. I said to him, look, why don't we just take a picture with Darius together so he can move on? Because you could tell the publicist was like frustrated and didn't want a million people. And of course, they're like yeah. lining up right. and Aaron's getting us pictures because he knows the publicist is trying to get us a picture. John's like, no. And then I he like by myself. storms towards Darius Excuse Rucker. No, just a second. You know we're recording this, right? And it's yeah, I know, John. You're out of control. Storms told Darius, Darius Rucker, um, almost knocks him over. Well, not really. He just like he John, gingerly walked over. John's not picture. big enough to knock anybody over. No, he but my to run into part, him. <laughs> the public. My favorite part was the publicist didn't recognize me at first, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because, like I said, we've done stuff with her, and then she's like, "Oh my gosh, Billy from the Blaze!" And so then Darius Rucker thinks he like knows me or something. He's like, "How have you been? How have you been?" I'm like, "I'm good, but I've never met you." Um, and then we took our picture, and I said to John, "Why couldn't we have done it together? You could have cropped me out." He was like, he like played it off like it wasn't a big deal. After I was like, "You like?" We're like, "No." Um, anyway, and then we like started a stampede of people wanting pictures of Darius Rucker. Well. You know, John can't be having uh, pictures of him and Darius Rucker and one of his former employees. <laughs> Poor John. Just, I mean, he'd be... No, be, John be, I had a blast, be, though. That would be slumming it. I wouldn't want my picture t- taken with you. <laughs> I, told, I, I legitimately said... Like having the janitor. Hey, out. call the come janitor over out. here. Call the janitor over here. Have him come take a picture of I, I like getting pictures of people. I don't care. Like, it's yeah, not... It was either. nice to do, nice to meet him, but I don't... I mean... Yeah, clearly the John would have actually if it meant getting a picture, he would have killed me if he had to. I think he actually would have like thrown me in front of a bus if it meant that he got his picture with Darius Rigger. <laughs> I mean that. But the right. other thing that John did that so, was great. So John's like John works for a company <laughs> called Billy a Second. <laughs> Sorry. Billy a second. It was more like eighth. Um <laughs> so he he, we we uh, get on this like the curtain closes and we're backstage so we were able to like walk up to and you know there's like this famous circle that's cut into the that that's placed into the stage right um and I don't know the whole history of this circle but like, everybody stood on this circle it's where the microphone is like Elvis everybody it's this okay. piece of wood from the original stage which right. I think is in the is the Ryman now which is a different theater but that was the original Opry in Nashville and so everybody it's like the coveted spot to stand on that right and so most people stand on it and take a picture which I've done in the past. John, however, gets down and kisses it. And I have photos of this. He kisses the wood, and which is apparently a thing. Now, like, you know how cowboy boots are. There's no way there's not nasty stuff caught in those cowboys. There's no way I'm right. kissing a wooden floor that everybody and their mother for the last 15 centuries has stood on. <laughs> I'm just not doing it. <laughs> so anyway, but John and I had a great, we had a really good time catching up. Good. It was fun. Aside from him, like pushing me over to get to Darius Rucker. <laughs> so tell us. And now you and you were tweeting me things or texting me things when you were coming back, and it was like two o'clock in the morning. Oh, when you were returning from Nashville, what what 
happened because okay, I, you had me in stitches, but you weren't giving me very many. I told you don't give me too many details because I don't. I want to. I want to experience it, it raw nightmare. on the show. It was a night a travel nightmare. <laughs> now I was like, I'm gonna book. My wife really needed me to get home because she had right. this big thing going on at work, and and she needed to leave at like 5 a.m. And we talked and about she, we talked about her graciousness and her patience last week. <laughs> she did not want me going on this trip. So of course, the worst possible thing that could ever happen happens on the way home. But you died. I, <laughs> no, this okay, the is the second, second worst possible thing. So I get to the airport. I check in. It's like I had a 657 flight. Okay. I'm like, this will be perfect. I'll get home at 10. I'll be able to. And there's bad weather, apparently tornadoes or some garbage going on in New Jersey, which I was flying to New York, but the weather was bad in New York as well. Anyway, they cancel my flight. And I'm like, uh. are you kidding? They made me wait hours, first of all. And then they cancel my flight. And they're like, you're not going to be able to get home. You have to get booked on a flight tomorrow. Ugh, and it was like one of those flights where you have to stop. It was it had, a, it had a, like a layover. I wasn't going to get home all day. And I'm like, I need to get home tonight. I had to get my kids somewhere in the morning. And so like I'm talking to my wife who's like beside herself in anger, but trying mm-hmm. not to be angry about this. Well, and I'm like, I don't know your, what I'm going to do. Not your so problem. I like run. I realize there's a flight at like there's still one flight that was not um, canceled yet. And it was a flight into Newark, New Jersey, which I avoid like the plague because it's a, a wasteland. But I was it like, is. I'm going to. So the idea that Chris Christie could run for president touting his credentials of <laughs> as governor of a third world country <laughs> is staggering to me. So, so you flew into, flew, into, flew into Newark, which is like flying into most no, no, ice, no, but, which is like flying into most icely on Star Wars, frankly. <laughs> so. I, I'm like, but I have to run because I'm at like C1, okay? Right. And you got to run. C21 C20, is where um, th- where Southwest is. Now, I was booked on American, and I'm like, screw American. I got I to gotta get to Southwest. Southwest charged me $400 for a one-way ticket, okay? $400. Now, I didn't care at that point because I was sweating. Did they put I one of those in- ear tags on like we do on cattle? Because that's how Southwest treats their... Uh, yes well basically i well so here's the thing i'm like i'm in the clear i got this they haven't canceled the flight now i made the flight wait okay i ran up to the ticket i ran up to the woman who was checking tickets and everyone's already on the plane and i'm like how do i buy a ticket like out of breath she's like she like gets somebody else they like make me go to c18 to buy the ticket because everyone's like storming them for tickets to new york i get the ticket i run out of the plane everyone hates me i do the walk of shame to my seat okay um and i sit down and we start pulling away and I like call Andrea. I'm like, we're good to go. I'm going to be home. I'm going to get home at like 11. And then all of a sudden the plane stops and it starts wheeling back towards the airport. Mm. And they're like, we're sorry, folks, from the flight deck, but we've got to get off the plane. Oh, and no. they're like, we may not be taking off. And they oh. now they deboard the plane. This has never happened to me. And we keep all of our stuff on the plane. They're like, just keep your stuff where your seat is so you can no. keep your seat. No. So I left my bag that I didn't care about and I brought my laptop with me. Sure. Um, and three hours later, Ugh. we reboarded the plane. Ugh. We flew home. Was there, and... was there a mechanical issue? Is that what it was? No, no, it was the weather still. Oh, but they did eventually leave, and I got home at two a.m. But it was the nice. Thing, this... Okay, so that's the nice thing though is they actually let you off the plane. I've been on where they've kept you on the tarmac for five, six hours. Yeah, well, they, that's let, they awful. I think leaving you, uh, leaving somebody on a Southwest plane uh, allows you to really realize how many things are wrong. Well, it's practically <laughs> folding chairs on Southwest. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> So it's in their best interest to get get you off of it. Oh, yeah. No, it's just spread disease if you sit on Southwest plane for more than a couple hours. That's why they have so many stops. It's like taking the Greyhound bus, you know. 
if you want to fly from Seattle to Portland, there's about six stops in between. <laughs> uh, uh, all, right. all right. Well, so uh, so you finally made it home. I made it home, and I'm still exhausted from it. But it was like the exhaustion of the. Uh, ca- I'm not even doing it justice because it was like chaos to get on an airplane. It was like, what is happening? Are you going to get American to reimburse you for the? Yeah, that's what I'm working on now. They said they would. So because okay, I was like, I'm not taking this flight. I called them that <laughs> night. I was like, I'm not. I'm already back in New York. Can you please? Right. Oh, but I had to say, oh, but my cab ride was $143. Oh, so. my gosh. Yeah. Because they charge you for the middle of the night. They charge yeah. you for it's like you just get hit with all these. Oh, yeah. Things. And there's a huge fee to leave in Newark and going into the city. Uh, $25 just for like 20 yeah. or $25 just because, for tolls. It's because, and well, and the Newark cabs, the Newark cabs can, can take you from Newark into the city, but they can't pick anybody up and take them out of the city. I, I'm over it. I'm honestly, so I'm never traveling again. That's the end result of this story. Um, but it was a great time in you're Nashville. Gonna drive, you're gonna drive to Nashville. Nashville. You're gonna drive to Nashville next year <laughs> in a tour bus with your okay. face on it. Uh, the Church Boys tour oh, rolling into can Nashville. Can you imagine? You know what we'll do? We'll I just can. take my pickup and we'll just paint. I'll just use a paintbrush and paint on the side of my pickup. We'll Church we'll Boys. We'll doodle. We'll doodle. Right. Okay, right, so let's. let's you got, you got an interview. Sit. Talk about this interview. We'll get it rolling, then we'll come back and close up. All right, so this guy uh, was really interesting, Lucas Miles. He's a pastor, um, and he put out this new book called "Good God: uh, The One Good We Want God. to Believe, <laughs> The One We Want to Believe in, But Are Afraid to Embrace." Okay. And really, his his premise is that God does not want bad things to happen in our life. When bad right. happens, it isn't from God. And he had some, and I'm not going to spoil it, but really a really compelling thing to say about the book of Job and how mm. he believes we've been reading it wrong. He spent a long time looking through every version of the book of Job, every language, studying it. And uh, like one or two words, the difference of meaning in one or two words changes the entire way that yeah. you look at the relationship between does he God. Have a, does he have a way of backing this up, this claim that we've been reading it wrong? I mean, does he have... This word actually should be translated this way. Is that what he does? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll hear him talk a All little right. bit about that. Now, I mean, it doesn't radically change. I mean, it changes the way we look at how God either allows evil or makes people makes evil happen. The, you mm. know, the way people talk about that. Right. Um, some people believing that God makes bad things happen. Other people saying, no, God would never make a bad thing happen. Yeah. Um, he may technically allow it by not intervening, but it's not coming from him, right? Uh, right. So anyway, it's like the consequence of of free will, but also the consequence of a fallen world, sort of. Huh. But but yeah, he I, I think it was sort of fascinating, and uh, you know we so we had a great time, and I think we should roll that, and we've got a hundred million more interviews where this came from. It's Billy Howell here with the Church Boys, and we're we're actually having a good laugh before we're <laughs> recording this about a, a very funny story we're talking about. But I'm here today with Pastor Lucas Miles. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. So you have a new book out, and your book. Good God. Why did you write this book? You know, I think that, I think God's gotten a bad rap. I think he needs a publicist more than anybody. And so, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, I just felt, I felt um, just a call to to really clear his name in a lot of ways that, that religion's messed it up. Yeah, well, that's actually a really good way to put it. God needs a, a, a new publicist. Yeah, it's probably true. And I think, you know, when it comes to God and bad things happening in our lives, right, and, and this notion of blaming God, right? Something goes wrong, and God, why? Why are you letting this happen? Why did you make this happen, right? Why do you think our first sort of response, not all of us, but a lot of us, when something really bad happens, is to turn around and say, God, why'd you do this to me? You know, I think if we're talking about things that are... Um, 
maybe more behavioral rather than something just natural circumstances just happen to you. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a way to um, really push off personal responsibility. And so, you know, instead of saying, I got fired from my job because I showed up late 10 times or because I'm a bad employee, it's much easier to say, well, God just shut that down and, you know, I'm, I, he's trying to teach me something right now <laughs> rather than exactly. say, you know, I was, I was a bad employee yeah, exactly. or, you know, something like that. Um, and I think, like, the chaotic world, this notion of this chaotic world, the Islamic State, you know, all of these things, I guess, I can say rationally, okay, well... If somebody kills somebody or if somebody is in a terrorist organization, they're making that choice for whatever reason, right. whatever influence. That's the, the I guess, consequence of free, of free will, right, um, which we all have. But then it's like it's like cancer. It's the things that, you know, and I forget the term for it, you know, the two different kinds of, of evil in the world and pain in the world, right? Yeah. When it comes to that, you know, you understand a little bit more, even though it's still not right, why people are like, God, why? Why did you make this? You know, why did you allow this to happen? Why do you, how do you think we process that? How should we handle that sort of thing? You know, I try to really um, make it clear from the beginning with people that when things happen to us like sickness, um, uh, you know, disease, uh, you know, accidents, those things, that that personal responsibility only goes so far and you can't take that blame upon yourself. You know, you can, you can uh, it's never God's intent to throw all this blame and shame on somebody for their life. And there's a lot of things that are, that are completely out of our control um, that happen to us. But, you know, there are things that happen as a result of, um, uh, you know, nature. Uh, we did, God didn't decide for us to build in New Orleans. You know, we're the ones that decided to build there. And it's not people in New Orleans' fault that that happened. You know, but it, it just happened. We decided to do that. We decided to make, you know, materials out of... Uh, what are later going to be determined to be carcinogens, right, right, exactly. you know? Like I mean, God, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we got that wasn't was God's idea. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I mean, I, I share in the book, and this this gets maybe a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, deep here quick. But uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage, and um, a few years ago, and we had people, you know, just just really surrounded us and loved on us. But there was several people that came to us with the statements of, "Well, you know, why this happened." You know, and, you know, they were trying to minister to it. I call it Hallmark Theology. And, you know, God needed another angel. Uh, your child was so loved that God just couldn't wait to be with her. And I get that at that moment, people, it was, they didn't know what to say. And I'm not mad at that at all, okay? I'm not mad at those people, at least. I, but I think that we have to realize what we're saying. And basically what people were saying at that moment is God took my baby. And, and unfortunately, that's, this isn't just people saying that. You have pastors proclaiming this theology and I think the church is more confused about the nature of God than they've ever been. That's a really good point too because you know this notion of God making something happen or God allowing something to happen and, I, and even with that like the latter of God mm -hmm. allowing something to happen well he didn't step in to stop it but that it doesn't mean that he's intending it to be that way. Exactly. Right? So Martin Luther King Jr. he said that um, basically I'm going to botch the quote here but he said essentially that um, Anyone who allows, has the power to stop something but doesn't, is just as guilty as the one that causes right, it. Right, right, right. And, you know, we as Christians, we hear that and we champion that if we're talking about, you know, political figures or, you know, this sort of thing. But when it comes to God, we, we actually say that that's what he is. Well, he didn't cause it, but he allowed it. Right. And, and so my, uh, my message is really that God is not causing the pain in our life and the suffering in our life, and he's not allowing it either. And that kind of melts Christians' brains because they're like, well, what are you saying then? Um, but I think that that's where we have to start in order to begin to really unpack 
you know, um, God's, God's attributes in his nature. It's sort of like, is it, you know, these things, the consequence of a fallen world, right? I mean, of a, of a world that, you know, the cancer, all these horrible things, this is the world that we live in. It's an imperfect world and these things exist and, they're, and they are going to happen. Um, and not that the world has free will itself, right? But, but things are set in motion and, and things happen, right? You know, how many Christian bumper stickers have you seen that say God is in control? Now, interesting enough, that never appears in Scripture. In fact, 1 John says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So the message, I mean, we're, you know, we as Christians, we, we don't even know what Scripture says sometimes. And, you know, we just, have to, we just have to stop, breathe a little bit, and look at the word in context, see what it says. Now, that's not, I don't think that's reason for depression or being fearful or promoting any of those things. It's realizing that God operates in this world through man. He, uh, Psalm says that the highest uh, heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. And we really, we have to invite him into this process. We have to invite him into our lives. We have to invite him into our actions. And through that, we can experience the, I believe, the God kind of life that he wants for us. But it doesn't just happen automatically. I don't think he's up there as a referee deciding, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really wreak havoc in your life today. And, and you know, all that stuff comes from uh, misunderstandings of the book of Job and James chapter 1, which are, you know, things that I deal with. Yeah, and it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, there do seem to be ways in which God intervenes sometimes. I, I guess the great mystery is why here and not there, right? Yeah. And there was recently a story we covered, and, and it was a story that really made me think. I don't know if you heard about it, but the car that was submerged in water in Utah and inside the car for 14 hours in this frigid water was a mother who had died on impact and a baby. Oh. And so the police, there were four police officers who arrived at the scene, and they claimed that they heard a woman's voice say, help me. And they thought that it was somebody in the car. And all four of them heard it. They've all, they went immediately on the record saying that they heard this. When they got to the car, it was only the baby that was alive in this car. The mother had died. Mm. So they really believed that it was an angel or somebody. Sure. Was, okay. So it's a kind of a great ending for the kid, right? But then mm-hmm. the question is, well, the mother died. You know, why, right. You know, but we're never, I guess we're never going to know the answers to all of those yeah. things, right? Yeah. Why? Why this and not that? You know, um, when Moses led the Israelites out of uh, Egypt... They were, had their back up against the, uh, uh, you know, the Red Sea on one side and the whole Egyptian army on the other side. And they did what most good Christians would do. They sat down and they had a prayer meeting. And God interrupts them in the middle of it. And he says, Moses, what are you doing? And Moses is basically like, we're, we're praying. We're calling on you, Lord. And God says, Moses, pick up your staff. You walk out into the sea. You raise your staff and part the waters. You know, and so it was God's power working through Moses rather than God just parting the waters and the Israelites going, oh, thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. You know, we have to step out. We activate those things. But, you know, even more than that, I think we want people to, you know, to really understand that, that God is not the cause of the suffering and pain right. in our lives. Right, right, right. And, and I mean, even in that incident that I mentioned, yeah. you know, very easily the woman died on it. Yeah. an accident. You know, thank God that baby was, that yeah. baby was saved. And that is a miracle that right. a baby could be in water for 14 hours, you know, and survive that. And whether it was the mom saying, help me, or an angel right. saying, help right, me, right. I'm good with either one, right, right, right. you know, exactly. and, and I think that, but, you know, if, let's say they both would have, they both would have lost their life, you know, was God to blame for that? And, you know, we have, uh, our church, we actually, we've met all over the place. We met in bars, we met in funeral homes, and we met in a funeral home for about funeral two homes. years. That's yeah, we did. Awesome. And, you know, at the bar, we would, <laughs> at, at the bar, we would always tell people we, that, you know, we had the best communion in town. That was our tagline at that time. And then the funeral home, it was people are dying to get in here. And um, so, you know, we, uh, you know, everybody who and came through and it was it was it sounds really you know dreary but it was it was a beautiful property and they had a nice chapel on it that we met in but it um whenever somebody died it, that you know went through there 
uh, who didn't have a pastor, they would ask me to do the service. And I can't tell you, I mean, so I, there, was a, there was a period about two years where I probably did a hundred funeral services. And, and you know, um, not, not the not the best way to, to make a living. But, you know, it was, people People are way more interested in what you have to say at a funeral than they are at a wedding. You know, at right. the wedding, they're just like, when are you going to shut up so I can have some shrimp cocktail exactly. and a glass of wine, you know? And, but, you know, I can't tell you how many times during people's eulogies or people sharing that would come up and, you know, um, and just and just talk about, you know, how God did this or uh, with the things, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And they just pull these verses out, miss the entire context, and really blame God, um, you know, for, for the tragedy. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. And I think a lot of us would say, oh, we're not going to blame God, we're not going to blame God. But then something really hits you that's so awful, right? Yeah. And you're like, like a miscarriage or mm-hmm. something, you know. And you really, you're like, God, why? You know, and all of a sudden yeah. you're doing that, which I think is human nature, but it's not. And then when you come back from it later on, you're like, okay, that was not the best reaction to have. Yeah. There's a, there's something else that's going on here that maybe there's another reason for this that has nothing to do with God, that there's just, this is a yeah. consequence of the world we live in. And um, What do you want people to do after they read Good God? I think, I think to start with, to resolve to stop blaming God for the negative circumstances and problems in your life. Uh, my theology is pretty simple. If it's, uh, you know, um, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. If it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's not. You know, and that's, uh, at the end of the day, um, I want people to understand that God's love for them and his attitude towards them is so much better than they could ever imagine it to be. And and I think a lot of Christians especially, um, they just get paralyzed because they don't know if it's God causing the bad things in their life, trying to teach them something, and as a result they should embrace it and learn, or if they if it's the enemy doing it and they should fight it, or if it's just natural circumstances and they just gotta get over it, you know? And they don't, we're, we have such a hard time deciphering those things because we have this, this view that, well, you can't understand the mind of God, his ways are, but, you know, the scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ. You know, if Christ could understand these things, you know, we never see Christ cause a car accident in order to, you know, bring about God's glory. And I, I compare this in the book to a New York City police officer planting a bomb only to be the one to discover it, you know, and be the hero. Right. That's how a lot of people's view of is God. He, he's going to do something bad in your life in order to bring glory to himself and so that you'll think he's so awesome when he's the one that caused it to start with. Right. No wonder people are running away from the church. Yeah, yeah, and you wonder too, like, does God ever, I would imagine he does, something happens for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? And then he teaches you a lesson through it. Not yeah. because he made it happen, mm-hmm. but because it did happen, and there's a lesson that can be learned there, right? Yeah. Um, which is kind of a different way of looking at it than thinking, oh, well, he created it only for the purpose of teaching me this yeah. lesson. And said, no, he... There's something that he was teaching us yeah. something that happened. Yeah, so the way that I, I would describe it is this. You know, um, uh, a, a certain subset of your, your listeners are going to remember the old TVs where you had to get off the couch and go turn the dial, you oh, know, and terrible. kind of, rem- oh, yeah, you know, you're in the middle of your TV dinner and you have to walk over there and, and get rid of the fuzzy station. And, you know, the fact of the matter is NBC was always broadcasting. Fox was always broadcasting, you know, to your television. And But if you didn't have it dialed properly, you wouldn't hear it. Now, um, God, I think, is speaking constantly. He's like that network. He never loses signal. He is constantly broadcasting uh, wisdom, truth, love, peace, all of these things to our hearts. But we typically don't stop to get off the couch and tune in the signal until there's a problem. 
So people mistakenly think that God's, God's speaking to me through this tragedy. No, God's been speaking to you the whole time. It was just that the tragedy slowed you down and actually caused you to dial in. God didn't want the tragedy to happen. He didn't cause the tragedy. He's been wanting to speak to you this entire time. That's but, a much nicer way of saying yes. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what is? Still haven't had COVID today. But no, yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great. And um, any other final thoughts? Like, anything you want? Because I know in an interview like this, it's like, well, I might want to make this point, but the person's never going to ask it. Is there anything else you want to say about the book, maybe about this topic that yeah. feels important that we haven't had a chance to? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I could go into all sorts of, of passages, but I think that's it's probably better left to the book um, because I think it's it's easy for somebody to hear one thing and go, well, I, I don't know what I think about that or you know whatever. But but I, I really challenge people in the book to to take a look at at Job. Uh, and I think that's kind of this this uh, this this uh, um, pinnacle of God causes suffering in our life sort of thinking. And what I believe is that we've read it wrong. And I'll just talk about maybe Job chapter one um, in in uh, uh, in kind of the the encounter that happens at the start. Um, the Bible says that that Satan appears before God and that God says to him, "Have you considered my servant Job?" And, and Satan goes, well, yeah, you know, I have, but, you know, he's got this hedge of protection around him. If you would just remove that, then we'd really see how great he, you know, if he really trusts you and loves you. And, and God says, very well then. And what we have is, and this is, I think, just classic, you know, traditional thinking in, in the church, but it's, I think it's uh, classically wrong. And we, we read that, and it almost looks as if Satan makes a suggestion to God to, to do something, and God gives in. Well, when Satan makes a suggestion, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's what every commentary says. And, but what happens if Satan makes a suggestion to me and I give in? We call that temptation. And we say that I just gave in to temptation. I never thought of it So what we're saying is that, but traditional understanding of Job is saying that Satan tempted God and God gave in. Okay? And which I believe that can't be true. So we're reading something wrong. Now, in the Hebrew, and I, I met with all sorts of Hebrew scholars and linguists and everything in preparation of writing this, and I just kept coming, going over that and going, I'm missing something here. I read the book of Job and, you know, 30 different translations and just studying this out. The, the phrase, have you considered my servant Job from, from God, is actually not a uh, suggestion. It is an accusation in the original language. It would be like you're sitting at a, at a bar with your wife and somebody comes up and, and they're just sitting there staring at your wife and you go over to him and you go, excuse me, sir, are you considering my wife? Are you looking at her? I have nobody like her. I have nobody who loves me the way that she does. And, and so it, when, from that moment on, and I go through a lot of the other things in the book that I won't give them all away right now, but it changes the entire understanding of that story from God. As the, it makes, it, God, it uh, changes God from the, um, the instigator or the one the, uh, allowing the problems in our life and causing suffering at times to being the protector. And at the end of the book of Job, when God finally appears before Job, and Job and all his friends had spent 30 chapters talking about how God had done all these things to him, and, you know, just like us. And um, Job finally sees God face to face, and he says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And he goes, Therefore I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And it says that Job and all three of his friends were rebuked for not speaking what was true about God. And what I propose is that we've read the book wrong. And I take, I take readers through that, and that really becomes a, a cornerstone to understanding um, you know, God's intentions for us. And I think the readers are going to leave with a deeper love for the Lord and really um, feel the freedom in, in knowing that God is for them and not, they don't have to worry about God causing problems. We have enough concern with the enemy and the world and ISIS causing right, problems yeah, exactly. in our life. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't need to worry about God causing problems. He never does that. He is love every single day, all the time. So it's, that's amazing. So it's, it's almost like God, you know, accusing Satan and saying, are you going after my, you know, are yeah. you... 
which is never the way I've ever heard it be taught. Which yeah. Makes some really interesting sense. Yeah. When you break it down that way, now I, I can't wait to see all of the arguments on this. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you. Look, I appreciate you coming on. You have to come back again. I would love to. I would love to. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my All right, so we know that the show's been a little bit crazy, and uh, it's maybe, I, I don't know, once we get the everything plugged in, if it's going to be a little bit shorter than usual, but uh, <laughs> Billy has to go because his lovely and patient and caring and loving wife Andrea, who's very understanding when his job makes him do things that she doesn't really appreciate, <laughs> has to, because of his wife's job, go pick up children and do something yeah. that he doesn't appreciate. Now, now that was not kind of me to say. <laughs> I just wanted well, to, I just wanted to give... I just wanted to listen to the show. That's right. I just wanted to give your wife a hard time. I love your wife. And again, like I said last week, I'm also scared of your wife. So I need to say... I was just joking, she, Andrea. She's, I was she's Italian. You should be. Oh, jeez. <laughs> She'll have me whacked. <laughs> um, no, but anyway, Lucas Miles was great, right? Yeah. He, oh, yeah, fantastic. I, we'll make sure that we link out to his his book and everything. And, and look, I mean, people will disagree with with pieces of it, possibly. <laughs> but I think I think it's a, an interesting take on good and evil. And these are the ongoing discussions that people have been having for um, you know centuries. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm just thinking about Donald. Are Trump. you thinking about John kissing the? I'm thinking about John kissing Donald Trump. That's what I mean. <laughs> A Trumpkin. <laughs> oh, wait. I just got a text that I don't have to go get the kids. You don't? No. So Okay, I so the show's not over yet. The then. show's not over. Are you serious? You don't have to go get the kids? No. I take it back everything, Andrea. I apologize. <laughs> she said she's on her way to get them. All right. Well, there you go. So should we make that phone call we talked about? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let me get the number. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this works. Oh, right. I hope this works. We're calling. We're calling. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. Hold on. Are we pranking? She doesn't know we're calling. All right. Hold on. Um, I'm just gonna ask. What was your number one story this week? All right. I'm gonna call her. Because I, I think I know. <laughs> When I saw that story, I was like, all right, let's see. All right, here we go. All right, we're calling. Hold on. Okay. She hung up. She hung up. <laughs> All right, let's try again. She's now she's gonna see the number. That's I okay. We'll this. leave a message. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right, hold on. We're gonna call again. I actually didn't even get to get into my prank that I wanted to do. No, I didn't know. No, no, I don't mean like pranking. Like I mean, she doesn't know we're calling. Well, that look, it's fine. Okay, fine. Turn down. Can you turn on the gate on your back of your mic a little bit, or is it? Turn it up. Down a little bit. Is it down at all? Is it down all the way already? Talk. Talk. Would you? Hi. 
so you're such a help. That's better. She's not going to pick up now because she sees the number. Text me the number. I'll I'll dial her in from over here. Your call has been forwarded oh to gosh. an automatic she, voice message system. Can you imagine? Zero. She doesn't even entertain the... I okay. love dealing with prankers. So send me the number. I'll see if I can dial her in. Uh, you're right. I ruined I ruined you everything. Did. You did. You ruined it. Well, I thought she would entertain oh, wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Is it the 603 number? Yes. That's what I was sending you. Uh, let me wait. Way, way to give her number out. At yeah, I really gave her number out by saying 603. Well, you know. <clears throat> if this works add <laughs> Marco Rubio just sent a campaign email out that says Donald is dangerous <laughs> that's the that's the that's well awesome. he was on today's show talking calling him a con man a con oh. artist <laughs> I can't <laughs> it was that debate you got to go watch did you record it you yeah got, you've got to go watch that I'm not one who advocates recording and then watching a debate but really it was it was something. It's just sitting here with the phone thing, but it's not. It's not ringing. You see the little phone. Is the phone icon coming up on your screen? Yeah, I actually think no. I'm not seeing the phone icon. Weird. My God, can someone text this woman? Go to <laughs> go to Slack. I'm sure she's on Slack. I have Slack here. Let me do it on my phone because I have Slack off because it makes noise on my computer. <laughs> you said Slack off, right? Whatever. I don't know. Hold on. Where is where is show? Okay, now it's not letting me hang up on her. How do I hang up on that I one just number? Just message her. Oh my God, pick up your phone. <laughs> okay, I can't. We now it's not. Why is this not letting me? What in the world is going on here? Why is it not letting me hang up on her? I don't know. Let me try to call her. Can you? Can you? Do you see a phone thing happening? I don't see what you see. This is really weird. Let me. Oh, shoot. Now I just now I just hung up on Billy. Oh, idiot. I'm a moron. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. I'm now it's ringing for her. Yeah, I'm turn, calling her now. Oh, turn on your camera. Why does my camera turn off? I don't know. Scanlon? Hello? <laughs> okay, I think that was me. I think that was my fault because I hit this dial button. Now you try calling her. Because I think the Skype thought that I was calling her. So you call. This, this is, is this is quite, a, if, this is America. A, if you're ever wondering why the church boys don't have a time slot on the Blaze Radio, <laughs> this, this, this might is a fifty percent of the problem. Professional broadcast. <laughs> oh, did you find, ah, ah, Hang it up! Hang it up! Oh my god! This, did you dial a fax is, number? This is an outrage. Who? A. Who has a fax number still? And B. <laughs> what just? That was weird. Okay, try again. Uh, she's not even answering my messages on Slack. <sighs> she's on Slack. I see her. The green light is on. I'm, gonna, I'm typing in all caps. <laughs> Answer your phone. Honestly, what if Donald Cr- Tr- Crump? <laughs> Donald, this is this is the show's lost okay, all try, its faculties. Try again. Boys and girls. <laughs> Boys and girls, if you're wanting to get into podcasting, <laughs> this is how you do it. Wait, is this the wrong? No, this is the right number. Well, yeah, because that's she answered earlier. Hello. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> well, everyone else we've dealt with entertains it. I know. She has no. She does not suffer fools lightly. She might actually be doing her job. That could oh, be the problem. That's the worst. 
It's right, the worst kind of person. That means we really, all right, well, hung we're, up not again. Gonna, we're not going to get her. Well, we're not going to get her now. I just, yeah, I screamed at her on Slack to answer your phone. <laughs> she's, um, I think she's seeing a number come up that she's recognizing that harassed her earlier. Well, I mean, I think she's just ignoring us. Who could, who else could we prank? Uh, uh, um, I, I, we got to ask her about this Hitler story that she did because it's hysterical. I mean, sp- speaking of Hitler, we should call John Seidel. <laughs> Do it. Give him a call. You got to call him. Yeah, now we got to call him. We got to okay. got to ask him about call all him, of these him, ask things. Ask him about his his time. Is he still he's probably still in Nashville? No, he flew back last night. Every, okay. We we all made, we're like we're leaving early. Uh-huh. We're not staying the whole time. Um and CPAC's right. next week and and apparently I would I would actually rather dip would, my head in hot lava than go to CPAC. Unless we were on Radio Row. Unless we were on Radio if Row. If I could spend all day every day on Radio Row and just people drop by and we record stupid shows. We probably and, could go. We probably could go on Radio Row. To. Well, yeah, if the company would put us up there. I'm not paying for it. Ow, excuse me. He's not going to pick up either. God, we are incredibly unpopular. I think everybody sees the number. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to get a different number. I mean, we're about to have to default to Sarah Rivette. Hi, this is John. Sorry, Mr. Call. Message. Leave me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. This is Darius Rucker. Hey, I have a message. This is Darius Rucker, and I'd love for you to come and store <laughs> me again at the at the Grand Ole the Grand Ole Opry next time I'm, uh, you're in town. I heard, make sure that your friend Billy can't take a picture I with heard, you. I heard you had Darius sign your naked chest. <laughs> um, John, we wanted to talk about how uh, you on the show. Um, how you licked the floor of the Grand Ole Opry, and there's forever a stain where Elvis once and, stood. And you were willing to have Billy killed if that's what it took <laughs> to get a picture with Darius Rucker. Totally. I, he would have slit my throat if it meant that he was able to have two seconds I with I think we're still duty. recording our message here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See you, <Hi>, John. John. <laughs> well, that'll be fun for him to there listen you know, to. He'll enjoy that. <clears throat> um... Oh, or it's what is he calling? What? No, I, for some reason, it sounds like we called 30 people. Is all anyway. I think, I mean, while while we're here and nobody will talk to us, maybe we should talk about a story. Maybe we should actually like talk about a different. Okay, story wait a we, second. Wait a second. Oh, there's a message that just came up from Scanlon on on blaze.com on the on Slack. It says, Billy, did you prank call my parents? <laughs> I think oh my god, called, was that her mom? Oh no, I think you called her parents. Oh no. Oh, we better address that with an apology. See, Chris, this is why we shouldn't prank people. Okay. Meteor number. <laughs> he called my parents. <laughs> I'm literally letting in a... <laughs> I'm letting a shipment of CPAC equipment in because Mark isn't here. He called my parents. <laughs> my phone didn't go off because he called my parents. I moved. Remember, she moved down to D.C. Nobody told me this. Oh, yeah. She's in D.C. now. <laughs> so apparently you called her phone. <laughs> no. And you kept calling. <laughs> it's no wonder. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Well, 
We now know that she's in D.C. and we have another point of contact for her that we could call right now. Um, uh, you yeah. know, should we apologize to her parents? That's terrible. We should. <laughs> Truly, let's try this other number. Hopefully it's not her parents. Okay. Oh, no. What horrible thing. <sighs> well, at least we didn't say anything worse than hello. <laughs> okay, well, here. She, gave me a, she just gave me a number. 859. Yes, that's the one that okay. I have. Try that. <laughs> Hello? I'm so sorry that Chris pranked your parents. I did no such thing. <laughs> hey, you're you're being recorded right now. Is that okay? I'm being recorded? Okay. Okay. Well, your poor parents were yeah, also so, recorded. Well, kind of, not really. Yeah, so well, I, uh, I moved recently, so that's that's no longer a valid number for me. Well, that's good <laughs> to know, and it might be good for our company to also make announcements <laughs> that let us know well, that I people think that moved. Somehow I knew, so you should have known. And well, I'm like I was the in least, Nashville. I, I'm the least pay-attention person on the planet, and I knew. Was this announced, Scanlon? Um, I thought it was. I mean, I started like weeks in the ago. office on well, Monday. Listen, listen. We apologize. We didn't even say it. All we said was hello over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, they were like, we got a weird phone call from one of the Blaze staff. So I was like, okay. Wait, how does she know it was the Blaze staff? We have caller ID. They recognized your name. <laughs> That's awful. Because <laughs> it came from Billy's. Because... I mean, it's it's a Skype number, so it came from yeah, but it's registered to my name. Oh, so oh, gotcha. Well, we owe your parents a huge apology because <laughs> no, we thought we were Billy pranking does. you. Not this. But now who's, I re- this, who's this Wiggy Kimosabi? <laughs> Wait. Well, well, now I remember though because when when we were doing training, you said call my house, and it, that was your house line. For some reason, I thought it was your cell phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> your your part parents to apologize, and the other part of me is like. I have nothing to apologize for. You do have nothing to apologize no, just for. Make, you, apologize on Billy's behalf. <laughs> your parents are classy, though. They just hung up and didn't entertain it anymore. <laughs> they were not going to be a part of it. I would have had a little real... conversation with myself. Chris, oh, Chris demanded that we call yeah, you so to discuss. Scanlon, we need, to, we need to talk about a couple subjects. One, uh, Harry Potter. What, really, what's, uh-huh. the de- what's the deal with the Harry Potter thing? Why are you... For people who don't know, Scanlon's like, she's she is our pro life writer on. I mean, like we're lots of pro lifers here, but like she handles the abortion issue and Planned Parenthood stuff along with Billy and other folks too. But um, more important thing to know about her is she is obsessed with Harry Potter. Uh, and what is I? I'm not exactly sure what the deal is because. Are you now? We've not met you, and I have not met in person. Are you indeed an incredible nerd? I am. I am such a nerd. Okay, you're a bit of a poindexter. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you don't like magic, Chris. <laughs> well, I, I, well, see now. I like <laughs> like I like Chronicles of Narnia stuff, and I enjoy J.R.R. Tolkien. But Narnia um, is I'm, all right. I, I've not been able to get Narnia into the Harry Potter right. thing. I've not been able to get into the Harry Potter thing. Of course, you don't like the Narnia thing because it's Christian, you know. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> but the real reason I love the, from the church boys. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't say I just I don't I can't get over the fact that we pranked your parents. <laughs> that actually it's, makes this a better call than it was. It's truly awful. Okay. So yeah, okay. just, just so 
people know, just so people know, I was up in New Hampshire covering a primary because my parents moved there while I was in college. Um, so I was staying with them because I knew I was going to move um, to D.C. after, which is where I'm calling you from now. Yeah. What do you think? Well, of, how long have you how long have you lived in D.C. now? Like two weeks? I got here Saturday. Yeah. So it, it's like a it hasn't week. even been a week yet. Okay, so, so in fairness, yeah. I shouldn't know. See, no, you I should because it was discussed <laughs> amongst the staff that she was moving. I mean, again, I don't, the fact I that I, the, the fact I that I, this discussion the with fact anybody. that I knew, the fact that I, the one unplugged who lives on the West Coast knew, means you should have known. But nobody and told me. Who trains was, well, all the, it, who trains all the new people, has conversations with them, supposed to invest some time into their lives. Who is it uh, 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 between the two of us who's supposed to do that? That I would be you. Like theoretically, theoretically, Billy. Yeah, that's right. So theoretically, a lot of things. Yeah, well, out. you know, I <laughs> was in Nashville dealing with John Seidel. Was, I was not able. John was in Nashville I, rubbing elbows with Darius Rucker and other celebrities. <laughs> I was not able to do to know this information. But wasn't there another thing you wanted okay, to talk about? Okay, so there was a real. <laughs> I do want to ask, what do you think? What do you think about living in D.C.? Are you enjoying it? I mean, it's only been a I week. am. I am so far. Yeah, the right. office is really nice, and I've enjoyed meeting um, right. more of my coworkers in real life. So You'll get over. Been... You'll get over that pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. It's only a matter of time. That's right. So the real reason I wanted to call you. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> you had a really interesting story this week. Um, can you you want to tell That's people about funny. your number your number one story of the week? Was it the number one story? I haven't seen. Well, it I would think I think it was your number one, wasn't it? Well, let's just go with it, because <laughs> she's not only she's not only an expert on Harry Potter and the pro life cause, she's also our resident dictator genitalia expert. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know what I did to Jason Howerton, but he assigned me a story about uh, a claim that some historians have made about uh, Adolf Hitler's anatomy. So uh, I had to write about that. Um, like, why am I such a juvenile? Why do I find this so funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel oh, I, for you. I would. You could have just been like, "I'm sorry." I just. I feel like it was intentional to just torture you. It was. Well, I well, told Jason. Well, like, I told Jason to give it like, to you. If I'd been here for years, I might have said no. But I've only been with the Blades since December, so like I wanted to think I'm a team player. So I don't want to say no to stories. <laughs> That's how I got stuck writing. So you were basically she, for lack of she got. Phrase. She. I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna make her talk. I don't talk know about. what I did to Jason, by the way. <laughs> Billy the wasn't here. Enough. I, I told him that Billy out. needed to write it. Uh, so. So I'm not going to make you talk about it, but the story is that historians claim that there's now evidence <laughs> that Adolf Hitler had a micro penis. <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. Well, and I only wanted to have Scanlon on just to make her uncomfortable. Because <laughs> that's just how Yeah, I, I mean, let's see if there's a story in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't. Anyway. So there you go. You guys are you guys are total fools, but in so, a good way. So, <laughs> anyway, can you please apologize to your parents? Yes, like, I almost please. want to call them back and say I'm sorry. It's awful. Anyway, Scanlon, Scanlon, we are just they, want, are they mad at us? I'm sure they'll be amused. Okay. Don't worry about it. We want we just wanted to have you on to kind of give you a little bit of an initiation and to give you a hard time and make you uncomfortable talking about, um, well, 
you know, you know. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> thanks, thanks for thanks for putting up with us and, and being on for a minute. We just wanted to, because we needed something to do. I'm trying to well, not have to go back. Thanks for having me on. We need something to do. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, sorry, loser. We That's just so need to flattering. <laughs> no, it was fun. No, it was because we wanted to ridicule her. Did you want me to say that? It wasn't. Be, it wasn't because we wanted to have something to do. We were bored, so we just were desperate. It's because we wanted to ridicule you. Does that make you feel better? It kind of does, actually. Okay. <laughs> I, love, I love Scarlett. She's, she's awesome. She is awesome. Um, well, now that I know that you've moved to D.C., because I clearly am in the know, uh, next time I'm there, we'll have to hang out. I'm yes. excited. Sounds good. And Sounds do and good. all right. And I do encourage people to go to the Blaze and check out Kate's stuff because she's written a lot of really good stuff. And if you're especially if you're on the pro life stuff, she's really good on that. And so, um, go check Thank out what you. she's doing. And, and welcome, welcome aboard. We like having you around. You're a good kid and kid. I call her a kid. You're a good. I don't know what else to call well, you. Good Chris, person. When you're when you're, you're like good. 83 years old, it's appropriate like, to call anybody under 50 kids. Sweetheart, so. we are we are talking about my Harry Potter session, so it might be fair to call me a kid. So. <laughs> it might be. It might be. All right, Scanlon. Thanks for putting up with us. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Can I cannot believe that I hung up on or that, that I pranked so your parents. That is so funny. Should we call him back and apologize? Let's not do any more damage. Well, because she said that they recognized it was them. It was, I wonder if they would pick up and, and now nah, we won't do that to them. Anyway. Well, I feel defeated. <laughs> you feel defeated. Why? I don't know. I feel terrible that I harass these poor people who just want to live their lives. Sorry. You're the dumbest. All you right. are the dumbest. Player. All right. So we should probably go because it's the friggin' weekend and you need to go not pick up children. And But you still... Has your wife properly lectured you for being late coming back from... What are you doing? Is this a new... Ooh. It says Zondervan. All I see is Zondervan on the back. The, the cost. cost of... The cost. My life on a terror hit list. Oh, yeah? Who's oh, that? yeah. We're going to have this guy on the show, actually. All right. Cool. You know what book anyway. I got this week? I'm fascinated by... The Faith of Christopher Hitchens. Ooh, where'd you get that? Uh, it's a Thomas Nelson thing. Who wrote it? Um, Larry Alex Taunton. Taunton? I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Well, so, we should end. We should just end the people, show by noting that people are just intrigued right now with our. <laughs> this is so stupid. This this show has no focus anymore. Oh man! All we, right, we, so, we lost uh, it. Um, any, any words for the people? Read your hadith. Uh, Donald, any words for the people? I'm always audited by the IRS, which I think is very unfair. I don't know, maybe because of religion, maybe because of something else, maybe because I'm doing this, although this is just recently. Maybe religion. Well, maybe because of the fact that I'm a strong Christian and I feel strongly about it, and maybe there's a bias. You think you maybe see you get audited for being well, a strong you see, Christian? You see what's happened. I mean, you have many religions. There you go. <laughs> Oh, Trumpy, 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 Trumpy. The Church Boys.